You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast, episode seven, 77, excuse me. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Well, that is a, an omen for things to come. It is currently 1050 uh, in the PM here in Calgary, Alberta. I am tired, but I am still very excited to talk to Manny about Pacific Rim this week and a bunch of other stuff. Manny, how you doing? I'm doing well. And may I say, Samuel, a happy birthday to you, my dear friend. You may, you may say that. So uh, it's October 16th as we're recording this, which is not my birthday, but uh, by the time you, the listener, uh, hear this, I will be 23 years old. I'm getting you, a little long in the tooth. You are fucking old. Yeah, just put me in a home. I'm done. <laughs> so this is episode 77, Samuel's birthday. I have committed to releasing it on your birthday, which is, what is that now, the, the 18th? That is correct. 18th. Okay, so I have one day to edit, upload, record, do everything for this episode. Shit Easy on, peasy. No problem. Shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, besides it being your fantastic birthday, let us also let my listeners, my listeners, my listeners. Yeah, nobody, nobody listens to me. Fuck me. How narcissistic. <laughs> let our listeners know where they can find us. They can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcast. Luminary and iTunes. Just search out Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore Movie. Also on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. If you want to email us, email us at the at Sam Manny Movie Podcast at gmail We would love to hear from you. Voting has not closed for our Halloween episode yet. We have whittled down the nominees to five. Great movies. We're waiting. We ha- we do have some votes coming in. We have the movie The Frighteners, Hereditary, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original by Wes Craven, As Above, So Below, and Cabin in the Woods. Get your votes in as voting is going to close this Monday. What is that, the 22nd? 21st. And that's everything. That's everything. That is. Uh, but... Uh, in spite of the lateness of tonight's show, uh, I don't think we're getting off the hook so easy because there's been a lot of goings on uh, as far as movie releases go. There were two movies that were released recently that I think we want to talk about before we get into uh, the classic Pacific Rim. Uh, one of which, well, as listeners probably know and friends of us both know, uh, Breaking Bad is what I, I think I can speak for you and say it's the best best TV show ever made. I know you've said and uh, something to the effect of it's the greatest piece of art ever made. Is yes, that right? I, bad? no, not ever made. It's the greatest piece of art I've ever experienced. Correct. So for so, those people that talk about like the Mona Lisa, I haven't seen it, so I can't include it on my list. But for me, Breaking Bad is the greatest work of art I've ever experienced. Right. So uh, in that vein, uh, 
the long-anticipated El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, was released on Netflix this week. Um, Manny, given that you are the person who forced me to watch Breaking Bad in the first place, uh, why don't you tell me what you thought of it? I actually can't. I I actually didn't know that I was the one that made you watch it in the first place. I I believe I think it was when we first started talking when I still worked at Jersey City. Huh. Uh, but I yeah I believe I believe you were the person who forced me to watch it for the first time. Nice. I I'm very happy I did. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Oh sorry, Sam. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that I've since watched it a second time, and yeah, it is completely brilliant. But yeah, go for it. What did you think of El Camino? Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was. I just, I guess, like a great epilogue to the end of the series. The one of the many great, many, many great things about Breaking Bad is that it, its ending, its uh, series finale, was actually well done and didn't leave much more to be desired. It closed, pretty much closed off everything, in my opinion, perfectly. So I was worried that this film would be unnecessary. And while this film in my opinion, still is unnecessary, it's still worth watching. It gives, I, I guess we should just say this right now, spoilers for Breaking Bad. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. It gives a great, it gives a great view of what happens to Jesse after the end of Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul, in my opinion, is spectacular in here. Not like award-worthy, but he really just slipped right back into the character of Jesse Pinkman so well. And I liked everything that happened in this. Even though it's two hours long, it didn't feel that long, everything moved along. I, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it. Is it as good as the series? No. But I definitely enjoyed it, and I was happy it was made. Man, you and I are so on the same page with a lot of things. I, I would nitpick a... a well, I, I have small bouts of difference with you, but for the most part, I'd say I felt exactly the same way. Coming into this movie, I was super, super concerned that I was just going to feel it was really unnecessary um, because, like you said, Breaking Bad wraps up in such a perfect way. All of its character arcs are so wrapped up um, and all of the plot points are, are perfectly concluded that I really didn't think this movie needed to exist. So I was really concerned coming into it. Um, some of my fears were alleviated, some not. I think it's a it's a good movie with some good moments. A lot of appearances by old cast members. Uh, some of them, I'm not going to spoil any, by giving any specific names, but there, there are some uh, cameo appearances by old cast members on uh, Breaking Bad that I just really didn't feel were necessary other than to make the viewer go, hey, this person's in it, you know? Um, there are some, like, at the very beginning of the movie, we see Badger and Skinny Pete, and I love them, and yep. I thought they were awesome in the movie, um, and they're just such good friends to Jesse. But I agree, there, there was no real... I, I think Aaron Paul's a great actor, and he shows that in Breaking Bad. Um, in in El Camino, he is still a really good actor, but doesn't have quite as much to chew on. But he, he's still a very, very good actor. I also love him, as you know, as Todd on BoJack Horseman. He's a fantastic voice actor as well. Um, it's sort of weird going from watching him being a meth head to being just a like a regular old slacker... Uh, <laughs> on uh, on bojack horseman but i digress yeah so i guess overall worth watching still kind of unnecessary um as well as a bit too much pure fan service for my taste a, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of the fan service moments didn't really have a reason to be in the movie other than to be fan service in my opinion 100 percent agree uh overall yeah worth a, if you're a fan of breaking bad you'll probably be a fan of the movie but uh don't be expect to be as blown away I think, as uh, as the original show 
again, 100% agree. It's just a great epilogue. It just kind of, it just picks up, it picks up where the finale left off and just kind of, basically kind of finishes off Pinkman's story. That's kind of the best way to describe it. Yeah, so El Camino, uh, good, worth a watch. Um, Another movie that uh, is getting some crazy reviews right now. I I have seen some incredibly positive press for this movie. That is Joker, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Again, a movie that I, uh, coming into it, did not think had a reason to exist. Um, Manny, do you want to take the lead on Joker as well? I I believe, have you seen it the one time? Mm -hmm. I have. Actually, uh, I'd like to hear your opinions first. Okay, sure. Um, so I haven't looked at like any of the meta scores or Rotten Tomato scores or overall critics reviews, but, uh, I, I did see a couple of friends on my Facebook shared a post by Michael Moore, who just praised the shit out of the movie saying it's one of the most important movies of our time, uh, and, and things of that nature. And I've heard that echoed by, by a couple of different, uh, people just saying that it's, it, it is a description of, uh, you know, Trumpian America and Gotham is a perfect analogy for, uh, America, yada, yada, yada. I didn't get all that. I think it was a good movie and a towering performance by Joaquin Phoenix. <clears throat> but other than that, I don't know if I really saw the important, and I say that with air quotes, I, I didn't really see the importance of the movie. Um, it, it did, it tended to drag. I think the ending didn't, it didn't really know when it wanted to end. Uh, it had like seven different endings any one of them could have been fine, but it just really, it really dragged on at the end. Um, there are a few beautiful artistic moments. Um, one of them is right at the beginning, the the tear of makeup coming down uh, Joaquin Phoenix's face as he's forcing himself to smile in the mirror. Um, there's a lot of really beautiful art in this in this movie. Um, I, I just didn't find the story particularly um, like I, I was invested in it. It just wasn't so innovative, you know. I, I didn't think like I was watching anything. Uh, particularly unique or um, groundbreaking per se, but it was a good movie and it was a fantastic performance by Joaquin Phoenix and that's about all you could ask for. All right. I won't lie. I actually thought you were going to be incredibly praising of this film. I'm I'm a little lukewarm on it personally, but it's it's worth a watch. All right. I was entertained by this movie, but I have massive problems with it massive problems with it really yeah some of it stems from my comic book nerddom and then some (laughs) of it stems from other things so i'm gonna get into this i really want to get into this i also want to say a friend of the podcast and past and future guest uh, adam lazanero sent me a text that he saw this and he called it a masterpiece i've heard that word thrown around a lot that i think that increased i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off midstream but I think I was a little bit disappointed by this movie because I had seen the word masterpiece thrown around a lot. Me too. And it's it's the sort of movie that non-film fans consider a masterpiece, I think. Yes. The kind of but people continue. Yeah, the, I agree. And this is I I don't mean to disparage anybody that has seen the Joker and feels it's a masterpiece. I am so happy that you see that you watched a piece of art that resonated with you that much and you felt it was a masterpiece. Yeah, completely. I also feel that if you watch The Joker and you feel it's a masterpiece, then you haven't seen Taxi Driver. <laughs> for, for for the record, I haven't seen Taxi Driver, and I didn't think that Joker was a masterpiece. Yeah. 
and I don't like I saying that I'm not trying to call those people out or anything like that. <sighs> okay. These are the things I did like about the Joker. Number one, Joaquin's performance was great. Flip side, and I'll, I'm going to get into this later, so I, I won't touch on it too much. While he is great in this movie, he was not the Joker. And I will dive into that after I get into the other aspects of this film I liked. The cinematography was gorgeous. The, the score I found mostly likable. The set design and production design on this was spectacular. Those are the things I liked. This script was atrociously bad. There was no subtlety to this movie at all. In fact, sometimes they had to repeat or numerously repeat things to try and make sure you understood them. Can you give me a for instance? Yeah. This guy is down on his luck, and life kicks him when he's down. <laughs> Twice. Oh, he's down? Let's kick him while he's down. Twice. Okay, that's... okay. I, I get it. He's down on his luck. The fact that they play off the Joker, <clears throat> the Joker's laugh as a brain trauma thing is appalling. 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 This is in regards to the character. I understand this is one man's interpretation of the Joker. That's fine. You want to use the Joker... <clears throat> The only reason this movie made this much money is because it's called The Joker and people think it's about The Joker. This movie could have been called The Clown and it wouldn't have made the $90 million it made over the weekend. The only reason this movie made money is because it is titled The Joker. If this movie had been, would have been called Face Painted Killer, nobody would have went. It's a terrible title for me. It is a terrible title. But you call it anything other than a DC Comics character, nobody's going to this movie. Nobody. And this is not the Joker. This is an interpretation of a character, and this interpretation shits all over him. He is The, the Joker is a supervillain. He is a criminal mastermind who can match wits with the greatest detective in comic book history, and that is the Batman. At no point did this character ever have me believe that he is capable of being a mastermind. This guy is an idiot. He is slow, he is dumb, and unaware of his surroundings. I had no, at no point did I ever think that this man was highly intelligent. And that is what the Joker is. While he may be crazy and a psychopath and a sociopath, this is also the kind of character that could pull off that hospital explosion in The Dark Knight Returns, the bombs on the ferry thing, the setting up and the hunting of uh, Harvey Dent. This is a mastermind. At no point did Arthur Fleck ever come across as a mastermind. He comes across as an idiot. <sighs> 
this movie reminded me of Solo. <laughs> One of the reasons that Han Solo worked as a character is his intrigue and mystery behind him. The movie Solo wrecked all that. This movie didn't need to exist. And while it might be, it was definitely entertaining, it didn't need to do anything. Moving on from there, how it shits all over the Batman mythos was a complete travesty to me. Batman, part of the reason that Batman becomes Batman is because he follows in the footsteps of what his father wants to do to make Gotham a better place. And in this movie, Thomas Wayne is a fucking douchebag. <laughs> he is. And in no way, shape, or form would Bruce Wayne want to follow this man's footsteps. And you can see it in his TV appearances. This man doesn't come across as somebody that actually wants to save Gotham. So why would Bruce Wayne want to become Batman to try and do the things that his father could, couldn't do? Why would he want to try and do these things to this while his father's a complete douchebag? This makes no sense. It shits all over what Batman is. <sighs> and then the last thing is how many fucking times do I have to watch the Wayne family die? <laughs> Are we, we have to be seriously at what? At least half a dozen, if not more. I mean, there's uh, Batman Begins. There's uh, Batman v Superman. There's uh, Joker. There, I don't know what else. What am I missing? Batman itself. Yeah. Uh, uh, Batman v Superman. I, I like. I, yeah. I fuck. I'm tired of watching the Wayne family die. And how come they have to? They, every make it different. How about this time you don't do the pearls thing? Yeah, that, that seemed a little... Uh, I definitely didn't like that. Not necessarily... Uh, okay, but look, I rolled my eyes when uh, the Wayne family was killed again, but the real piss-off was the pearls thing because when Zack Snyder put that scene in Batman v Superman, I said, okay, I don't need to see this again, but the pearls thing is kind of cool. Because I don't, I think the pearls thing was was Zack Snyder originally, right? No, I don't think. the pearls who, who thing. The pearls thing comes from the comic book, and the pearls. Okay, but and the pearls thing has been done in every iteration of the movies since then. Even even uh, Batman Begins. Yep. Really? Why yep. do I remember that? It's, okay, I mean, I'll take your word. You're a, you're a massive comic book nerd, so I'll take your take your word for it. Okay, so then yeah, the, the pearls thing. Yeah, stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Come up with something new. It doesn't need to be the pearls every time. Yeah, and the or reason... just stop putting that scene in the movie, and you won't have to come up with your own imagery. One of the great things about Spider-Man: Homecoming is that they we don't see Uncle Ben die again. Yeah, and the... Aunt May is way hotter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I had huge problems with the Joker, but was I entertained? Yes. Did I believe I was watching the orvi- origin of the Joker? Sure didn't. Sure didn't. It's funny. I, I actually hadn't considered the angle of uh, – <clears throat> uh, why can't I think of uh, Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Um, I hadn't really considered the angle. That doesn't really make sense for Batman's story then. I guess I could counter in, in theory that this movie's not about Batman. So Then why I'm put not... him in the movie? Well, you you said it, fan service. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Absolutely, because this this movie, yeah, it, it it's rampant. Uh, just 
you know, changing the, the source material like this. To, to a degree, it's fine. In fact, I believe I made this exact point with, uh, with Shakespeare in Love, uh, if I recall. The fact that it's so unrecognizable from reality that the only reason they called it Shakespeare was to make a buck, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't agree with that sentiment at the time, but I see the point you're trying to make because I'm on yeah, the other side I think now. I, I, may not, I may not have been articulating it correctly, but this is essentially what I was saying. But um, it, it's funny. At the time, I kind of liked the change up on Thomas Wayne. The, what you're pointing out to me now actually makes a lot of sense, and I'm having to reconsider that. But when I was sitting there in the theater, I liked – I think it just made a little bit more sense for 2019 because there there is such an uh, – anti one percent sentiment right now okay um, in the world mm-hmm. I, i'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing i'm just saying that that's probably the decision that the writing team and the director was making was that because there's such an anti-rich sentiment in the world right now regardless of what your opinion on that is it probably resonates a little bit more with modern audiences that's probably why they made the change sure that's fine the funny thing is is this movie isn't set in 2019 Yes, but it, but it's being released in 2019 is is the point I'm trying to make. It's going to it's going to resonate with the audience that it's intended for. Yes, fine if they if they can pick, and that shouldn't be hard to pick up because this movie's not fucking subtle. It's really not. It's hor- it's horrible. It's horrible. Ugh. Whatever. This. If people call watch this movie and they call it a masterpiece, I'm so happy that you found something that really resonated with you. If you think that the Joker is a masterpiece, please come hang out with me for a few weeks and come over and watch some movies, and I'll show you what a true film is. I got to see Taxi Driver, I guess, hey? Because I've seen a lot of comparisons to it uh, online. By the way, can we talk about the whole um, involvement of De Niro in Joker? Oh, do you know why he's there? Well, I assume it's because, I mean, he was the star of Taxi Driver, and this movie is thematically very the same. And another Scorsese movie called The King of Comedy. Uh, which is about a talk show, right? A, a guy who goes on to a talk show to become a comedian? Kind of, yes. Yeah, sort of, yeah. So basically the only reason Todd Phillips got De Niro in this movie is to show, hey, because Todd Phillips said, I'm trying to make a Scorsese movie. And I'm sorry, you failed. But he has De Niro in here basically almost like fan service. That's basically what it is. I'm ripping off Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy De Niro was in both these movies. Here he is. And De Niro's in this movie because he's like, I need the money to continue to fund my Tribeca Film Festival and do the other things I want to do. Because at any point, did you ever believe that Robert De Niro, who I I can't remember his character's name, Murray Abraham or whatever he's called, at any point do you believe that this guy is similar to Johnny Carson? Yeah, I I just, that was one of the, problems that i had actually i did not think de niro was funny I, I did not think that the show he was on i i know it's supposed to be a little bit cheesy and a little bit late night tv ish and a little bit safe but it just flat out was not funny it was brutal yeah yeah it was bad and that, i guess kind of gets back to what you were talking about with the script too the script is horrible <laughs> another okay another thing one of the, the joker has a dark sense of humor that's part mm-hmm. of it there is one great scene with a great comedic moment that he does not laugh at. What's the funniest moment in that movie? Sorry, you, you cut out for a second there and I, I couldn't hear you. The, the Joker's known for his dark humor. Yeah. There is in 
<clears throat> there is a one scene that in this movie is darkly hilarious, and the Joker does not laugh at it, and that is completely out of character. The midget trapped inside the door. Ah, uh, yeah, which is which is a darkly funny moment. Hugely darkly moment. That moment would have the Joker in fits. Yeah. And he just sits there in silence. Beca- I mean, as... Because? I, I can... why, and why? Because his laugh isn't a laugh. It's brain trauma. I can see why that would piss off a fan of the comic books. As somebody who, again, is not a comic book nerd as yourself Mm -hmm. i didn't notice any of these things i thought the characterization of uh, arthur fleck was fine and i liked the character not knowing a lot about the joker himself and like i said if i let go of what the joker is it's a great movie it's just he's not the joker Mm -hmm. this this is basically if you called him anything else it's a great character study of someone that is downtrodden on life, works his way back up, starts some type of incredible, stupid revolution against the one percenters, and mm-hmm. is used as a symbol to start riots. I assure you no change becomes of it, and probably many innocent people, besides the one that the Joker himself killed, a lot of people were harmed. Whatever. Use him as a symbol. It, it's... <laughs> He just, it's hard for me to really accept this guy as the Joker when the only things that are similar between his Joker and the real Joker is that he kills people and he wears makeup. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And calls himself the Joker at the end. (laughs) That's it. Now. That's me as a comic book nerd knowing the character. So that is, of course, going to bother me. For people that don't know the character deeply, that's great. Then they saw a movie that they think is about the Joker. But again, if this movie wasn't called The Joker, would anybody have gone to see it? Uh, again, couple of, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say I have a couple other uh, complaints that I'm just remembering as we're going along here because I didn't take notes on this movie. I, I just went uh, casually about a week ago. But... Um, the the conclusion to this movie, I did say it kind of goes on and on and on, but even the sort of what I considered the natural conclusion of, uh, or, or at least the climax of the movie, him, I'm not going to spoil what happens, but uh, but he goes on uh, the talk show and, and you know, yep. uh, it's, a, it's a very tense moment. I, I saw it coming a mile away. It was so damn predictable. Like, this kind of gets back to the, to the script. Yes, the, like, the script they, is they horrible. They set up one ending and then they twist it. Oh, that didn't happen. This other thing happened. I, I saw that. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be like a huge surprising twist, but come on, it. it they could not have telegraphed it more, in my opinion. I know. It I was know. telegraphed. It was, I guess I'll use the word foreshadowed in air quotes. It was foreshadowed with all the subtlety of an atomic bomb. It was. It was uh, a little bit difficult to watch. Not to mention the scene itself is kind of contrived. Like, there's no way they allow this guy on TV. 100%. Yeah. So I I was kind of rolling my eyes to the conclusion of this movie. Yeah. I'm with you. 
Okay. Okay. So- All right. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so Joker's good, not great. Go watch it. Let us know what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's get on to a- another movie. Another uh, another uh, classic. Yeah, let's let's definitely use that word. Modern classic. Let's use that word too. <laughs> what, what are we talking about today, Manny? All right, for Sam's birthday, he decided to subject me to rewatching Pacific Rim. Subject you? This is hold the, on, is, uh, hold on. This is Oscar-winning director Guillermo del Toro. We're talking about Manny. You show some respect. <clears throat> Pacific Rim. Released uh, July 12th, 2013, directed by Guillermo del Toro, written by Travis Beecham and Guillermo del Toro, starring Idris Elba, Charlie Hunnam, and Rinko Kikuchi. It has a 65 Metascore, which is a higher Metascore than Life is Beautiful. It had a budget of $190 million. It grossed $101 million in the U.S., but $411 worldwide. The plot? A war between humankind and monstrous sea creatures wages on. A former pilot and a trainee are paired up to drive a seemingly obsolete special weapon in a desperate effort to save the world from the apocalypse. Oh, I love that description. (sighs) Sam. Yes. Why did you make me watch this piece of shit? Okay, so Pacific Rim, as uh, many people know, uh, is a modern masterpiece, uh, (laughs) much like Joker. (laughs) <laughs> uh pacific rim higher metascore than joker yeah by the way pacific rim as you pointed out higher metascore than life is beautiful that is actually hilarious that is actually hilarious to me <laughs> so this movie in all seriousness uh completely falls into the guilty pleasure category no question about that it's basically a better version of transformers that doesn't have all of michael bay's stupid like pedophilia jokes in it and stuff um and like not casual racism uh, so yeah, Pacific Rim is, uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, Manny, uh, <laughs> a fun movie that is very bad, very cheesy, but also has giant robots fighting super cool monsters. And say what you will about this movie, Guillermo del Toro, good at doing monsters. Am I wrong? No. Okay. Wow, I was not expecting the word no to come out of your mouth there. That was a long pause. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, is this movie completely cheesy? Absolutely. Is the script bad? Yes. Does Idris Elba's accent change from the first act to the third? Absolutely. But it has giant (laughs) monsters fighting giant aliens. I can't even talk right now. It has giant robots fighting giant monsters that come out from under the ocean. And uh, by the way, the the mechanism for uh, for these robots, we haven't touched on this, uh, requires two pilots because it was too much for one person to pilot. Does this make any sense? Of course it doesn't. But what does that matter? It's a fun time. You get to see some cool fights. And, uh, yeah, I love the way that the monsters look in this movie, and I'll defend this movie to the death. Manny, what'd you think? <laughs> <sighs> Did I hate this movie? No. Did hey, I like... Start. Start. Did I like this movie? Fuck no. Was I looking forward to rewatching this? Not even close. <laughs> I saw this, pretty sure I saw it opening weekend back in 2013, and I remember regretting that decision back then. I have not watched it 
since 2013. So it's been six years of Pacific Rim free life I've been living. Until Samuel dropped this fucking bomb for his birthday. And I was forced to watch this atrocity of a film. You're not allowed to be mad at me, Manny. It's my birthday. That is true. I am not mad. <laughs> um, let me see if my notes here can find anything positive. Okay. Yes. Here's one. Here's one. I really enjoyed the opening exposition scene to open and explain the world. They explain what happened. They explain the response. It takes quite a while. It's like all I think it's like 17 minutes before we, the title card even comes up. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed that. For for the lack of a better world, the world building at the beginning, I enjoyed. Uh, scary thing is uh, the big shit goes down in 2020, and that's next year. So we could be in trouble. Yeah, so enjoy your time on Earth while we have it, people. Yeah. Movie six years old, and the special effects still hold up. There's another positive there. Well, look at that. I'm wow, like on look a, at you. You're doing great. I'm like on a trifecta. Uh, <laughs> looking at my notes here, looks like it kind of goes downhill from there okay so yeah oh oh nope that's an okay uh that's all i have for positivity uh the script and dialogue in this movie is hard to endure um while i have as you know no problem suspending disbelief for a film i still need you to play within the rules of the world you set up and I need you to be consistent. And this movie doesn't do any of it. And their logic makes no sense whatsoever. Right, give, me, give me some examples, Manny. And let me, let me know how I can alleviate uh, those, those concerns. Oh, perfect. Here's a nice one for you. When... Actually, you know what? Should we, before oh. you go do that, should we, uh, should we give spoiler warning here before we dive into it? Oh, sure. Yes. Yes. Sure. Let's do that. Okay. Um... <laughs> you go ahead. It's your okay, movie. Okay. Sure. So, everyone, we're about to be spoiling this movie. If you have not seen the modern classic with a higher meta Don't ever use those words again. Pacific Rim, if you have not seen it, uh, please go watch it as uh, your life will be uh, greatly um, improved. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy things like fun and uh, entertainment, you know, uh, you can go watch it. Or if you're like Manny and you hate all of those things, you can, uh, you can skip it. Um, so, uh, we're about to spoil this movie. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> While they're in the drift, Samuel, they are connected telepathically. Yeah. They have access to each other's memories. They kind of live in each other's brain. Yeah. And yet they have to verbalize their intentions. Please explain that to me. You and I are com we are connected telepathically. Yes. But I still have to tell you what we're going to do. Well, sometimes I feel like you and I are connected telepathically, Manny. But we we're still not. have these wonderful conversations for the audience. But we're not. We're not. Yes. So they are connected telepathically, and yet they continue to yell out constantly what they're going to do. How else is Charlie Hunnam supposed to yell really cool shit before he, like, does a cool move? How else is that supposed to happen? So that's your explanation? No, I have nothing else besides that. That's what best I got. Okay. I, I have, for the record, I have that in my notes as well. Why are they yelling at each other when they're connected telepathically? Yes, yes, that is stupid. The other thing, again, just small things. This this isn't a deal breaker, but it's just small things, again, that don't make sense. These are massive robots. Massive. Like, True. Beyond our comprehension tall. Mm -hmm. I think they're carried by three helicopters? Yeah. 
Like Maybe three, they're massive helicopters. They are not massive helicopters when you see them. <laughs> There's no way these helicopters are carrying skyscraper tall built skyscraper tall robots. It's the future, Manny. They've it's next the year. It's for years. next year, Sam. It's no. next no, year. No, the it, the first invasion happens next year, but this is five years after the first invasion, Manny. We didn't even watch. Twenty twenty. Yep. Is when Gypsy Danger. Isn't that when his brother dies? Yes. Yeah, Correct. so that's next year that Gypsy Danger is transported by a fucking helicopter. Yeah. Those, was three. those helicopters, yeah, three helicopters. Ridiculous. Minor quibble, one of them. Okay. okay. Uh, something tells me that's not it. Oh, no. no. Okay, no. keep going. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll stick with kind of the logic of the film. Let's see what else can I get yes, here. Yes, yeah. uh, logic and air quotes. It's funny that there's no sun in this movie until the kaiju are dead. Wait, there's no what now? There's no sun. The sun never comes out. It's either raining or gray skies. It's called symbolism, Manny. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. But the moment the kaiju are defeated, it's bright and sunny. Yeah, you always get the hero shot from behind. You always get the sun shining in from behind and the, the low camera angles, yeah. the total hero shot. Yeah, the, Yep. Guillermo's nailing the uh, <laughs> nailing the hero shots. Um, the anti uh, <laughs> the anti kaiju wall, mm-hmm. so dumb. Especially when prior to them even deciding they wanted to do this, they saw the kaiju rip through those fucking uh, Jaegers. Rip through them. <laughs> but they're like, oh, wall will definitely stop these guys. Fine. Again, not a bothersome. It's 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 movie logic to move the story along. It's it's governments and politicians thinking that they can save a buck. Fine. Yeah. Again, that, mi- minor quibble. Didn't really bother me. Point, you're correct about that. That plot point, in my opinion, kind of takes out of the Michael Bay playbook, which is like, herder, government is dumb, military is awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's get some badass people to do the smart thing instead of government officials doing stupid things. It's a little bit, little bit lazy, but yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, jumping around in the movie when the Aussies, uh, thing, I think it's EM pulse shuts it down. Uh, mm-hmm. they climb out and they decide they're going to shoot a flare gun at a Kaiju f- for no reason. Literally no <laughs> yeah, reason. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. No sense. <laughs> yeah. And also this thing is intent. The, the Kaiju are intent on destruction mm-hmm. and it just stares at them. Instead yeah, of... and then it uh, it gets delayed right at the last second by the sound of another helicopter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Oh, um, it's during one of the great epic battles that you love that the Gypsy Danger is uh, grabbed by one of the kaiju, flown up into the sky. I'd say probably, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 feet? Yeah. Probably the height of what a plane would fly, right? I would say even if not above. If not above, but not by much. Yeah. Right? They do lose oxygen, but there's a lack of oxygen up up there. Okay. Right? Uh, but when it's dropped, uh, it it apparently burns up in the atmosphere? Uh, I don't know. I thought they were pretty high up. I, I actually... I don't know. I, I'm not an expert on the Earth's atmosphere. But. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's something falling at terminal velocity isn't going to burn up in the atmosphere when it's dropped from that height. But whatever. It, it was a cool visual. 
But uh, yeah, I'm like, mm, don't think so. You're forgetting. You're forgetting something crucial about that scene, though. You're forgetting one important detail, which is that it looked awesome. Uh, no, no, I said that. Oh yeah, so I don't think you phrased it quite like that, but I think I, that was what the what the filmmakers were going for is that uh, it looked awesome. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, Charlie Day, who I generally like, I I I haven't watched an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I've heard good things. Me too. But I won't lie, he's fucking hilarious in Horrible Bosses. Yeah, that's that's a fucking great movie. Actually. And I think there's another movie he's in that I really liked, but I'd probably have to go through his filmography to find it off the top of my head. I can I can get you. Sure, but he is fucking atrocious <laughs> in this film. He is atrocious. But does he have anything to work with? No. He's a he's also he's the voice of the astronaut dude in the Lego Movie. The guy's obsessed with spaceships. Uh, okay. Yeah, that is about, yeah, nothing really else besides that. <laughs> oh, I think I saw Fist Fight and didn't mind that. Going quickly through here. Uh, uh, there's a there's a movie called I Love You, Daddy. Okay. Uh, I have no idea what it is. So basically it is just horrible bosses that I loved them in. Right. And, like, he's so... So good in it. Can I tell you what makes me roll my eyes about uh, Charlie Day's character in this movie? Uh, this, this, I actually, I, I seriously rolled my eyes and it kind of took me out of the movie for a second. It's Charlie Day and I'm trying to find his sort of, uh, his sort of co-conspirator. Is it, uh, oh man. Uh, oh, uh, Bern Gorman as Dr. Herman Gottlieb. Yeah. Uh, so their names are Newton and I think Leibniz. <laughs> uh huh. Just the, it's it's almost as though the writers just said, "Hey, who are the two mathematicians that we know, and how can we insert their names into the movie? You know, to be smart." <laughs> and then they just went ahead and did it. I just thought it was really really stupid. But Sam, numbers do not lie. Politics, poetry promises these are lies numbers are the closest we get to the handwriting of god yeah <laughs> that is true poetry isn't it <laughs> how how close were you to actually turning off the movie when that when that line was uttered i was never close to turning off the movie because i am all about this podcast <laughs> you're a good friend manny <sighs> thank you for enduring this with me speaking of dialogue yes speaking of um, let's go through some of these, um, cringeworthy moments. Uh, where would you rather die, here or on a Jaeger? All right, okay. I don't know if you want commentary on each of these moments. I really don't have if, any. If you want the to, same for each one. If you want to add to it, you're more than welcome. The, the comment on each one will be some variation of, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's awesome. But continue. Um, the no pulse. We should check to see if it has a pulse. They unload the plasma cannon into this dying corcus a thousand more times. <laughs> I, I laughed really hard at that. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that was hilarious. Okay. <sighs> now, I know that you haven't seen Braveheart. Yeah, I've seen bits. Now, when we finally get around to watching that, which isn't that far away, and I'm super excited for you to watch that film, one of the things 
sadly, is the impact that Braveheart had on filmmaking <laughs> is going to kind of be lost on you a little bit because you've lived in a world post Braveheart. Yes. Much like I, I, I believe I know where you're going with this, actually. Okay. And that is the stirring speech scene. There's always great lines in the stirring speech, much like Russell Crowe and Gladiator, Unleash Hell. This one is canceling the apocalypse. Canceling the apocalypse. You can't. T- Are you telling me you don't like that scene? You don't I, like that speech? No, that speech is fucking horrible. Oh man, you can't tell me. You can't honestly tell me that that's like more cheesy or worse than like Independence Day. In do you want to know something? You want to know some? You want to know the truth? I, I do want to know the truth. That's why. That's why I sit here every week, Manny, across <laughs> from you, because you spit it every I, week. I do spit the truth. Yeah. The speech in Independence Day is literally Daniel Day-Lewis compared to this. <laughs> I like the speech in Independence Day. I found it entertaining and at times rousing. At no point of this speech was I ever amped up in any way. This is one of the worst rousing speeches given in an action film. And that is saying a lot because Idris Elba is a spectacular actor. Yeah, what the fuck happened to Idris Elba in this movie, hey? Yeah. Like, a good actor under a great director, and I genuinely find at times that his accent, like, he can't decide if he's, like, British or Australian or American or whatever. It's so weird. I don't know what happened. All right. Uh, I think that's it for the dialogue because I stopped writing down all the shit ones. <laughs> that's fair. You got to be economical. Yeah. Back to a couple other minor points that bothered me. Yeah. All right. Where's one? Um, now, I may be wrong because following the logic of this film was difficult at best. But correct me if I'm wrong because this is something I had a problem with. Sure. So, but maybe I misinterpreted so you could correct me since you're such a fan. Yeah, let me put my uh, Pacific Rim fanboy hat on real quick. Perfect, thank you. Now, Charlie Day uh, had a drift with the kaiju. Correct. Create, okay. So because of this, he got to see their aspect of it. And from my understanding, the kaiju are a direct correlation to the Jaegers. They are created by these creatures in that other dimension to come over here. Was that correct? They're basic. They're almost like that dimension's Jaegers, except they don't have. They are organic beings, and they're not being driven. But they were genetically created. Is was that correct? I, I suppose that's a that's a fair assessment. I don't know if it's ever really explicitly said, like if if they're like genetically engineered in a lab or if they're like actual just offspring that are clones of these beings, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's ever explicitly said. Okay, okay. So then, my the point I'm going to make will not resonate the way I was hoping, and I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine with admitting my wrong. But this is where I'm getting it from. In those flash scenes where fucking Doctor Newton is <laughs> is drifting with the fucking kaiju creators. Yeah, 
I thought I saw a scene where like the, all these kaiju were kind of lined up almost like an assembly line. Now, I, they're flashes, so I definitely could have misinterpreted from what I saw. Mm-hmm. My understanding is basically the kaiju are basically their version of Jaegers without somebody inside driving it. They are obviously organic. They're obviously created some way, but I felt it was like genetic engineering. They were kind of created in a lab, not like grown. Okay, it could could well be. Could okay, well be. so I'm ex- as I'm explaining that because that's my interpretation of what they are. Sure. So that being said, how the fuck does one of them get pregnant? <laughs> well, they're still they're still clones. They're still genetic beings. Yeah. It. Like, are are you asking me about the specifics of kaiju fucking? Is that is that what you're asking I'm me? Ju- or- I, I, no, I'm not. The, the, the because if they're, like, I I guess an analogy for us, they're mm-hmm. oh, I, I can't even think of any. Oh, here we go. They're like attack dogs. Yeah. We like we breed attack dogs. Yeah. So, if they if we breed them. I, if they have sex at some point, where did they have sex? Uh, why would you send a pregnant one in? I, I don't. I don't know. I just felt that this was an ex- an excuse to do something weird in the yeah. movie. I, it just didn't make sense to me. And then again, it's obviously whatever. It's so funny when we see movies we like and they pull inspiration. Or something from another film, it's called an homage. And if it's in a movie we don't like, it's a ripoff. That's very true. Right? Like, so what's this a ripoff of? It's a ripoff of Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> where Ron Perlman gets killed. That's actually, I never thought about that. But yeah, the scene in Deep Blue Sea, you're referring to, uh, spoiler for Deep Blue Sea, uh, Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson getting killed, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. That is a good movie. That's a, that's a good uh, guilty pleasure movie I would right be all over us watching that movie. Oh man, that's a that's a guilty pleasure episode waiting to happen right there. Fucking rights. I'm adding <laughs> it to the list. Okay. Uh <clears throat> let's see. What else can I fucking shit on that I don't uh okay. Oh. Um I was a little confused as to why at the end they go through the tunnel thing? What was it the, called? Yeah, the uh, the breach. The thank you. They go through the breach. They're on the other side. They're in another dimension. Radio contact still works? Is yeah. That yeah. 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 I, I, uh, whatever. Well, I mean, if, if physical things can go through the breach, I mean, electromagnetic waves are physical things. You know, I can, I can buy it, you know. I don't sure. think that's totally outrageous. Okay. Just, it's, it's far, it's far from the most outrageous thing in this movie. Uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um the other thing again <laughs> what you you <sighs> Okay. This is why I have the problem. You set up the rules, you've gotta play by your rules. Yeah. This movie does a minor thing that fucks its own rules and it did bother me, but whatever because it's visually interesting. Okay. They spend a lot of time fighting in the water. Yes. The first few scenes, they're like up to their knees in water. And you can see as the Jaeger is moving, 
it's it has the resistance of trying to walk through water. It can't run at full speed like we can't run at full speed when we're running knee deep in water. Yeah. And you see that when they show you inside with the drivers that they're struggling, right? Fine. Perfect. You're accepting that there is some type of reality. But when they go to the bottom of the ocean, those Jaegers can move just as fast as they do when they're on land. Despite the fact that they are, one, underwater, and two, at the bottom of the ocean and the pressure of the water is around them. There is no slowment. Slowment? There's no slowing of any movement whatsoever. I find it hilarious that this is the nitpick you go to when in the same scene a bomb literally empties the area around them. A bomb clears all the water from around them. I oh, find and it fish whole- drop too? That was spectacular. Yeah. I find it hilarious that your first nitpick is they're moving a little too fast in the water. They're moving a little too fast in the water. Yeah. Okay, in, fair. Okay. In, I concede, Manny. They're moving a little too fast in the water. And There's also it, like massive fireballs under the under the water as well, is there not? I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. Were you were you on your phone at this point, be honest? No, I will I am never on the phone when I am doing a movie for the show because I will give it my full attention because I want to be able to either nitpick or or do or make the notes I want. I I put my phone aside when I'm watching movies for the podcast. That's why I respect you, Manny. I know. And I I at so many so many times I want to grab my phone. <laughs> I'm like I don't need to watch this. I'm like yes you do. Give this movie the attention that you give all the other ones. Mhm. And it hurt to do so. You know what? You gave it a fair chance. That's yes. all I could have asked. Last, my last thing I want to shit on. Oh, this is it? It's over already? Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, no, I'll probably have some other things to shit on. But this one, again, I don't understand it. Again, minor nitpick, but because we're talking about a movie that I don't enjoy, any minor nitpick I can use, I will use. Yeah. It's the end of the movie. Uh, what's her name? Mako. Mako and Ra- Raleigh? Raleigh. Raleigh? Yes. Whatever. <laughs> They're on his life raft. They're talking in the earpiece. The helicopters are coming to get them because they're in the middle of the ocean. Yes. You see the helicopters coming. The helicopters, and they send more than they need, but it's a large area to cover, but a Apparently, they had GPS because they're on that little fucking hologram screen. Yeah. Clifton, Clifton Collins knew where they were. Yep. Sends the helicopters. Yes. Helicopters are coming specifically to get them. Last shot of the film is the helicopters flying past them. <sighs> flying past them. Why can't you just let yourself be happy, Manny? Why, <laughs> why can't you just let yourself have fun? What's the fun in the... Very people that are coming to rescue you just flying past you to make a cool shot. I think you just you just said what it is. That's the fun. That's it right there. <sighs> Who hurt you so bad, Manny, that this is this is what you've become that you can't enjoy Pacific Rim? There's nothing to enjoy. <laughs> I respectfully I respect your opinion. You know I do. I know. I sit here I sit across from you every week and you know I think a great deal of your film criticism. <laughs> But I do have to disagree that there's nothing to enjoy in this movie. 
I'm going to say that the points of this movie that you like to enjoy are, as stated, you have giant robots fighting giant monsters. <laughs> for our I, I listeners, do, I do have to add, for our add, listeners I, out there, I really wish you could have seen Sam <laughs> pantomime what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do have to add that it's not the sole source of my enjoyment. Uh, first of all, I am getting much more enjoyment out of your lack of enjoyment than I anticipated. I don't normally, I don't relish the opportunity to make you watch movies you dislike. I really don't. But this, I'm not going to lie, I'm having a little bit of fun with it. And I think you know that. Okay. And I like I like making you watch good movies too, you know? you, I, I know. Every film that you've made me watch that I haven't already seen has been great. Man, maybe. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, probably. Hold on. Uh, Nightcrawler, 8th grade, yep. and what's the other one? I'll have to look. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay, but I've yeah, been shitting I'm, on this am... movie for a while. Why don't you say some good things while I try and remember the other movie you made me watch that was good? So I am not exclusively in the business of ruining Manny's day and making him watch things he doesn't want to watch. But I, I, I just think that this is um, – a, it's, a, it's a popcorn movie, you know? I, I think everyone, even, even Manny, has uh, you ah. know, a couple of movies that uh, they enjoy in spite of all of the plot holes and bad performances. This is a cheesy movie. It absolutely is. And it's not good. And when I chose this movie, I was fully prepared for the possibility that Manny would not like it. Because it is on on its surface, and I mean, let's face it, there's not much below the surface. It's it's just a very cheesy action movie where monsters fight each other. I think it's got cool visuals. I think it is a really cheesy plot. Uh, the romantic plot in this movie, God, is oh. is is difficult. It it is bad. <laughs> I'm. That is not one of the enjoyable things in this movie. Okay, actually, I, just, I, I don't want to cut you off. Sure, and sure. I, even though I completely did. <laughs> yep. Um, I actually want to touch on that because I found a note on it where I won't lie. If this had been left in the movie, I think it would have elevated this movie incredibly. So yep. allow me to give this point to you. Please. And this is regarding kind of the, the love story. According to Travis Beecham, uh, Beecham that's the writer co-writer um, with Del Toro. In an earlier vision of the script, Mako and Raleigh spoke two different languages for a majority of the film. After connecting as pilots, they slowly begin to understand one another, and before the end, they heard each other speaking in their own respective languages. The only remnant of a language barrier is when Raleigh speaks to Mako in Japanese, and she is surprised he knows her home language. That's, that's kind of cool. I, I could I could have gotten on board with that. But yeah, their their romance as it stands is is pretty difficult. There was uh, there was a moment right near the beginning of I think it's a few scenes after they meet where uh, he asks her to like uh, evaluate him as a fighter, and she says like you're unpredictable, you take risks. I'm like holy shit, did Nicholas Sparks write this script? Like what the hell is going on right now? It, it was so ridiculously unnecessary. I just wanted to see some cool monsters, uh, but yeah, the the, the writing of the romance in this movie was bad there's no question about that not even like fun bad but like actual bad uh, uh, there was no writing in this movie that was good <laughs> yeah who fucking wrote this movie it was uh travis yeah, beecham that... and del toro 
the fact that Guillermo del Toro has a writing credit on this movie actually kind of surprised me. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, oh, there was there was a couple other things I wanted to say. Uh, another thing that makes me chuckle, since this movie did come out in 2013, uh, this is in the post-Inception era when every film score needed to have maximum blah at all times. For some reason, every film that came out like five years after Inception, or every action movie, there was always some asshole playing a tuba in the score just as loudly as, as he could, going blah, and there's so many of those. It's I, I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, I think I have something written about the score. Yes, I do. The score, okay. little over the top. <laughs> yeah, just maximum blah. Um, actually, I have a note on that. Sorry, one quick second. Yeah, for uh, sure. We're we're both. I think we're both a little disorganized this episode. Yeah, the music, um, the film score was composed by Raman Jawadi. Let's go with that. I'm I'm sure, sure I mispronounced his last name, so I apologize. You're not listening, anyways. You're not one of the twelve. Um, but he actually did the score for Prison Break, Iron Man, and Game of Thrones. Interesting. And that surprises me because the Game of Thrones score is actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, the score is a little over the top in this one. I'm not going to fight you on that. But I guess over the top is what this is all about, right? <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's just a pure – it's supposed to be a pure adrenaline rush movie. And look, clearly I'm not alone. I think the, the 65 meta score, while ridiculous, uh, speaks for itself. That it, – I, I honestly – I as much fun as I'm having shitting on this movie, yeah. this movie is – I understand your uh, appraisal of the film being that it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's 100% a guilty pleasure. This is, uh, this is not a guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> I, I got little to no enjoyment from this film. But I don't hate it. It's not a hatred. I just will never watch this movie again. I think I think you're lucky that my film taste has actually evolved because I you keep in mind I was 11 when Transformers came out. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, I, I I actually like I loved Transformers back when I was like 12, 13. Yes, if you were 12 and 13 and saw this movie, I would understand its appeal. <laughs> that's that's uh, hurtful, but a good way of viewing it. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. I'm fully aware that the tables are probably going to turn for next week's film. Oh, yeah. Complete. I, I have not seen uh, – well, we'll preview what it is next week. But I have yeah. not seen next week's movie. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've heard not positive things about it. Yeah, yeah. Next week is my perfect rendition of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> for sure. You'll, I'm, I'm hoping that you see the guilty pleasure in it. But if you don't and you shit all over it the way I'm shitting all over this film, I will not be surprised. And I will, again, probably have no defense to any qualms you have with the film. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's stay on topic here. Yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to just articulate what the main appeal. I just keep saying over and over again, there's cool monsters in it and there's cool robots. But like, it's I'm trying to articulate why this monster slash robot movie is different than the others i think a lot of it has to do with the concept honestly i think the concept was a big draw for me when this movie first came out i was like it's completely ridiculous the fact that there's these giant robots that need you know two brains to operate and they need to kind of work in tandem with each other i thought that it would have been easy to just have that be a fact thrown at the beginning of the movie and then it doesn't really have any relevance towards the end, but they, they use it, they run with it for better or for worse. They, they, uh, 
they use that aspect of the fight to at least differentiate itself from other like monster movies, totally. in my opinion. Yeah, I... I, I think I think that's a positive. Um, what else do we have here? Um, <laughs> um, I, I think the world building is really well done, like you said at the beginning. Um, I, I think opening narration tends to be a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Um, I, I am a big proponent of uh, show don't tell filmmaking, um, but I think in a universe as uh, with a concept as out there as this one, it, it does sort of uh, require a little bit of opening narration. Big time. Um, I think <clears throat> there there was a few instances of uh, technical jargon being thrown out there that are a little bit eye rolly. But I like the fact that they were included. For example, the inclusion of phrases like uh, "chasing the rabbit," um, "neural handshake," you know, these these sort of these sort of nonsensical uh, terms just sort of added um, realism. Might be a stretch to say, but it added um, something. I don't know. It, it, no, it, real. It, I understand. I understand the yeah. point you're trying to make. No. Yeah, it it made it feel a little bit more real, even in as obscene a concept as it is, as ridiculous as a concept it is, they actually made these places look real. They made these places feel a little bit real and a little bit grounded, even, again, though the plot and the concept is absurd. Not going to lie to you, Manny. I am, I am reading through my notes hastily trying to find something uh, positive to say about this movie. A lot of it is, is me laughing at the cheesiness of it. Um, I, I guess we can talk. We talked a little bit about Idris Elba, but the uh, the whole thing with him being sick um, kind of really forced. Uh, again, the writing in this movie not good, um, but the, uh, the the whole notion of him just randomly being sick. We don't really know what it is. I guess it's sort of implied that it's cancer, but he just keeps getting nosebleeds mm -hmm. uh, randomly. That whole aspect of the movie really baffling. I think they just wanted to give him a reason to sacrifice himself at the end. And I got to tell you, the fact that you're going to die anyway, not exactly uh, an emotional reason or not really a cinematic reason for self-sacrifice, in my opinion. I can somewhat agree. There are <laughs> other instances I can think of where it worked, a la Breaking Bad. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Right. But we're talking about two completely different levels of artistic uh, integrity here. Yeah, one is the one of the greatest pieces of art ever made, and the other is Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, we're not going to be canceling the apocalypse. We're going to be canceling this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, um, oh, one other thing I had a problem with, again, it's near the end of the film, so my attention was minimal at best. Right. But throughout the movie, and in fact, there's a whole scene dedicated to how these drivers have to have this special kind of connection. Mm -hmm. You can't just throw any two people together. But Stacker just jumps in with this Aussie guy. Yeah, because he rode with his dad. I thought that was a, yeah, that was totally a throwaway reason. He's like, he's like, I I fought with your father, and he's like, yeah, good enough. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a thing. 
Um, I actually, we haven't talked really about Ron Perlman. We talked a little bit about his death in the movie. I like the character of Hannibal Chow perfectly. I, th- I, I think he's a fun character. I like the gold shoes sort of being a, a symbol for him as a character. I have something. I like his, I... Oh, sorry. No, go I did not mean to cut you off. Please continue. Yeah. Uh, he, the the origin story of his name, uh, named after his favorite historical character and his second favorite Szechuan restaurant in Brooklyn. <laughs> I thought that was a funny little origin story of his name. I, I think he had he had a couple of good lines, and overall, I just love his look and Ron Perlman just as an actor. I think is awesome. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I I liked him. Uh, he was fine. <laughs> he was definitely having fun. Yeah, uh, I have a note about those shoes though. Okay. Uh, Ron Perlman kept the shoes he wore in this film. Later on, his wife had them melted down and converted into a pair of heels for herself. Aw. That is cute. Okay, I don't think I have really anything else um, super uh, super positive or super important to say about this movie. But you do have, uh, if you have nothing else, I think you do have some uh, trivia and casting notes, as you always do. I do, yeah. Um this I found amazing because this was actually integrated into the movie so well. I wish I had found this note before because I'd like to rewatch it. Um, but around the one hour, 25 minute mark, there's an inside of the building where Gypsy's fist smashes through. Yep. It's actually a miniature and not CG. Oh, really? Yeah, they, re- they they built the whole office and all the cubicles using 3D printers, so they're all little miniature things, and what they did, the lighting and everything was practical and done to scale, and yeah. once it was ready, they just smashed a large green mandrel through it and then digitally replaced it with Gypsy's Fist. That's pretty cool. So they actually, there was an actual practical effect in there in that whole. There, sp- there was one practical effect in this movie. Congratulations. Well, that's the one. That's one that they see. I'm sure there was others as well, but but this one, I, I I think I don't know if it's the scene. I don't think it's the scene where the fist stops and the little fucking office swingy ball thing. I don't think it's that one. But I, I think, see. I think there's another one. Um, right. Which again. I wasn't a fan of that one. Um, this made me laugh, so I had to put this in there because of, again, especially concerning my complaint about these uh, giant robots uh, performing underwater yes. at the same speed as they do on the surface. So visual effects supervisor John Knoll and director Guillermo del Toro spent several weeks discussing the physics of the giant characters and went into very specific detail such as how the air displacement from a Jaeger moving between skyscrapers would shake the building's windows. Yes. But they that's, have... That's pretty in-depth. Yeah. But they can move underwater just as fast as they move on land. Okay. Um, I got perhaps an answer as to why the characters are yelling when they're uh, linked telepathically. Travis Beachman said that they do that because it helps them stay focused. That's his reason. Good enough, good enough for me. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Soviet Union uh, Jaeger was called Cherno Alpha. That's actually was the that was actually the name for Chernobyl. Whoa! And uh, if you dark. if you remember the look of it. Um, the uh, the head Chernobyl's head resembles uh, the cooling tower from Chernobyl. Yikes! Yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, a lot of people died. It's pretty insensitive, but okay. Yeah, yeah cooling tower for sure. Um, this film uh, during production was actually called Silent Seas. There is not a single moment of silence in this movie. Yes. Um. Oh, I thought this is something you might like because I know that you're a Del Toro fan. Uh, yes. Del Toro had never shot a film in less than 115 days, but he only had 103 to shoot Pacific Rim. In order to achieve this, Del Toro scheduled a splinter unit that he could direct early in the day before main unit and on his off days. The director worked 17 to 18 hours a day, seven days a week for much of the schedule. Del Toro took a new approach to directing actors, allowing looser movements and improvisation. That shows up on screen. Uh, The director maintained tight control over the production and, quote, everything 100% goes through me sooner or later. I do not delegate anything. Some people like it. Some people don't. But it has to be done that way, end quote. Major respect. Dude's got a vision, wants it made his way. Yep. And the last one here, again, for a lot of people that don't know films, they're what's called uh, an... Oh God, I can't remember what it's now it's called. But they do a full cut of the whole movie with nothing taken out of it. Like, uh, as an example, uh, the opening cut of... What was the movie we were just talking about last week? Thin Red Line. Thank you. Was five hours long. Yeah. Um... So Del Toro cut approximately an hour of material from the film. The unused footage explored the characters and their arcs in greater detail, but the director felt it was necessary to strike a balance stating, quote, we cannot pretend this is Ibsen with monsters and giant robots. I cannot pretend I'm doing a profound reflection on mankind, end quote. Each character's arc was edited down to its minimal requirements. The director wanted to keep the film around two hours, particularly for younger viewers. And this is the point I know that you will love. Alejandro Iratu and Alfonso Coruan helped with the editing. Iratu removed 10 minutes of footage while Coran removed a few minutes and rearranged several scenes. Iratu and Coran received a special thanks in the film's ed credits, as do James Cameron and David Cronenberg. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room with Guillermo del Toro, Alfonso Cuaron, and Alejandro Iñárritu, listening to all three of them talking about the merits of editing out or keeping certain aspects of a giant robot fight. I would love <laughs> to be able to hear that. Yeah, right? Yes. All right. Uh, casting. Actually, there wasn't quite a bit, but there was one big one. Uh, so I'll save that one for last. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård was considered for the role of Herc Hansen. That's Which the... is a ridi- By the way, all the characters in this movie have ridiculous names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Kitsch, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Luke Bracey, and Henry Cavill, as well as our good friend Aaron Paul, Ooh, were all considered friend. for the role of Raleigh. I'm not going to lie to you. As much as I do like this movie, I would have been a little upset if they dragged Aaron Paul into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the big one. Somebody considered for the role for Stacker Pentecost. Tom Cruise. What? Yep, yep. <laughs> that would have been... Honest, honestly, I think that would have been perfect casting. I agree. You. I think that would have been absolutely perfect casting. I agree. Oh, oh, just before we get to the end, oh, I, gotta, I gotta quickly see if I can find it. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, la, 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 la. 
la la la. Where is it? Where is it? You're uh, getting better and better at starring, stalling. You know that. I know. Oh, here we go. I'm going to end, before we get to our favorite scene and final thoughts, I'm going to end on a positive for Pacific Rim because this is an actual quote that I did enjoy in the film. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I actually enjoyed this. I'm not trying to be facetious or funny. This is actually a quote from Stacker Pentecost that I actually enjoyed. One, don't you ever touch me again. Two, don't you ever touch me again. (laughs) Love that, that was a great moment. Love that delivery. Mm-hmm. That's Idris at his best in this movie, and that's saying a, that's not saying a lot because he could have taken a shit and it still would have been his best. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, that, that was probably his best moment for okay. sure. Okay, so favorite scene. <sighs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> let let me think about this because on the one hand. I'm not gonna lie to you. You already you already shat on it sufficiently, but the uh, today we are canceling the apocalypse is a good scene in my opinion. However, as alluded to last week, in the I guess it's the second to last monster battle in this movie, even though it's basically one big monster battle, I guess. Um, a giant robot drags a cargo ship through the streets of a major city. And beats a giant alien to death with it. That scene is pretty badass. In my opinion. I guess all of the monster scenes. Is that is that a scene I can pick? Is that a favorite scene? No. All of the battle scenes. No! <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we can uh, we can go with that scene of uh, the robot dragging the... Uh, or beating the giant alien with, uh, with a cargo ship. And then I believe it's shortly after that when they, uh, when they uh, shoot, the, shoot its dead corpse as well. <laughs> Yeah, to see if it has a pulse. Ridiculous. That's your favorite scene. Yeah. Uh, Manny, what's your favorite scene besides the end credits? Yeah, that joke's old. Uh, I didn't hate. I didn't hate this movie enough for the end credits to be my favorite scene. But for, good. But for me, actually, my favorite scene is actually the opening exposition, giving the doing the world building. I really enjoyed that. And it's all downhill from there. Uh, yeah. Right. Sadly, <laughs> true. Sadly true uh who's gonna go first on final thoughts let me go first because yours will be much more positive okay yeah sure okay uh please don't watch this movie (laughs) do not ever waste your time i can't believe you're even uh, you know what i shouldn't say i can't believe you're listening to this because i'm sure everybody's tuning in to listen to this because they know that i'm gonna shit all over it i hope i hope you were entertained by my shitting on it Please don't watch this movie. I don't care whatsoever that hold on a 65 metascore this is again one of the rare occurrences where metascore has failed me. Higher than life is beautiful. Higher than life is beautiful. I'm begging you to go watch Life is Beautiful instead of this. I I can't stress that enough. Now, that being said, Let's flip the script a little bit and make my good friend happy on his birthday. I can understand why some people will find this to be a guilty pleasure. Are the scenes where these giant robots fight giant monsters entertaining? 100%. They are done well. The special effects still hold up after six years. There are some amazing visuals and the monster design is absolutely phenomenal that goes that's par for the course we're dealing with del toro 
If you're looking for something stupid and fun, turn your brain off, watch some amazing shit go happen on screen, and you don't have to worry about paying any attention to the dialogue whatsoever, Pacific Rim is an excellent choice for you to do so. That was my birthday present to you, Sam. That's the Thank nicest you. I that's the nicest I can do. I loved it. You wrapped it in a neat little bow too. That there, was that was fantastic. There you that, go. I know that hurt to do, so I, I appreciate that. It did, and as soon as we finish recording, I will unleash hell. <laughs> Samuel. This was this wasn't you unleashing hell already? <laughs> no. That was me this was me being nice. Samuel, your final thoughts on Pacific Rim. Okay. So Guillermo del Toro is a very gifted director. There is nobody who does monsters like Guillermo del Toro. Is this his finest movie? Not even close. It is not close to his best movie. He won an Oscar for a far superior movie to this, which is The Shape of Water, which if you haven't seen, you should go. Um, I'm not speaking to you, Manny, because I know that you've seen it, but anyone listening to this episode who hasn't seen Shape of Water should go watch it. I think this movie does have some things to offer that are unironically good. Um, the visual effects are very good. The monster design is very good, as Manny said. I think uh, the world building is uh, makes it a very unique movie. The concept is very interesting to some people, myself included. Uh, it is not a, again, using uh, air quotes here, it's not a good movie. It is not. That, that, I'm saying that as somebody who enjoys this movie. It is not good. It is a movie that allows you to turn your brain off. And again, I had a big old ball, bowl of popcorn when I was watching this, and I could not have been happier watching all these uh, explosions and monsters and stuff on screen. It was great. Um, I was not as annoyed, I think, by the dialogue as Manny was. I didn't find it more terrible than a lot of other movies of this type. Um, I'm trying to think of a better way to articulate that. It was the, the dialogue was bad, but it was not more noticeably cheesy than basically any other action movie out there. What separates this one is the concept, the design, and uh, yeah, just the fact that I had a good time watching it. And I like it, and I stand by it, and nobody can convince me otherwise, even Manny. I would never, ever want to try to convince you that a movie you enjoy to try yeah. and change your mind about a movie yeah. you enjoy. That and I did, I, I did not, I did not mean to imply that. Um, yeah, because you're correct. I think I think that goes for both of us. If you enjoy a movie, this just goes beyond Pacific Rim. This is all cinema. If you enjoy a movie, then good for you. Mm -hmm. I think you have every right to enjoy any and every movie. Yes. You you may be wrong by other people's opinions, but they're fuck them. You know, enjoy the movies that you want to enjoy. Yes, I could have I could have sat here and been like, you know what, Manny, let's watch let's watch The Godfather this week because I want to watch a good movie. But no, I wanted to watch Pacific Rim. Why? Because I like it. Yeah. Exactly, it. and there's there's the nothing there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with it is making your friends sit through it as well. That's what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, don't force your friends to watch movies they don't want to watch. That's mean. Yes, that is. Unless definitely. you have a podcast and it's for entertainment purposes, then it's okay. Yes. All right. So we're at the big drum roll. We have the ratings coming up. As always, I have my predictions down. Who's going first? Uh. You you t you give me your your rating out of five for this one. Why don't we start with you? You smacked it out of the park. You saw the number two and you hit it out of the park. It's definitely a two for me. <laughs> Sam, your score. 
I, I'm not. I'm not ready to give it a four. Oh I, my god! I think. I think it's in three territory because. It, it, like I said, it's not a good movie. There's a lot to offer, and I personally enjoy it. Uh, but there, there is a lot. There is a decent amount wrong with that. I'm, I'm not trying to ignore that, even even in the slightest. So I think it's the kind of movie that, in the right mindset and in the right hands, can be a really enjoyable experience. I think if you're the kind of person who likes movies like this, um, then like if you're a fan of this genre of monster movies, then I think it's it's totally up your alley. Um, but I. I Definitely wouldn't recommend it for everyone. 100% not. Fair. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it in three territory. Interesting. All right. Fair. Now, I, you really thought I would give this a four. Huh? I told. I, I thought this was such a guilty pleasure that the enjoyment level you have for this film would take it to a four. It's not It's not that high. If Again, if we were using an inferior rating system, it might get a three and a half. <laughs> but, of course, that is nonsensical uh, in the eyes of this podcast. So it is, uh, it is in three territory. Sam, it's your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> What is your score out of five with half points? <gasps> what? <laughs> the one week you this, get this, the one week you get a year where you can this, give half points. This is unprecedented. I am about to rate this with a half point. It is a three and a half out of five. No problem. Easy peasy. Pacific Rim gets a three and a half out of five, and Manny is gonna try to contain his disappointment. <laughs> It still gets a two for me. Okay. Yeah, no no two and a half. Eh? Not a chance. Okay. <laughs> All right. 65 on Metacritic, though. That is nuts. That, make, 60... that honestly makes no sense to me. Or is it 65 or 64? 65. 65. I actually yes. want to <clears throat> go through those reviews and read those people's reviews. Yeah, that is that is hilariously off. It is not a 65, especially if Life is Beautiful is a 59. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Manny, thanks so much for doing this with me this week. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, even the parts that you didn't. Thank you for, for, for doing this movie with oh, me. Oh, my, my pleasure for your birthday. My <laughs> pleasure. All right. So before we head out, let's remind everybody that they can catch us on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Podcast, on Luminary, and on iTunes. If you could, I would love it if you give us a five-star review and a little <clears throat> and a little blurb on iTunes as it will increase our profile and allow more people to find this lovely little podcast. And if you're ever sitting around talking about movies with friends or talking about podcasts with friends, why don't you mention us? Recommend us to your friends. Let them listen in. So they can get a chuckle and listen to a couple dorks rave on about some films. We'd love to get some more listeners. We'd love to reach out to some more people. So if you're ever thinking or talking about podcasts, please recommend us to your friends. We would love that so much. You can contact us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, as well as emailing us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Sam, before we tap out i actually meant to talk to this uh, talk to you about this at the top of the show but i need to talk to you about it right now i just okay. need to find the text from our good friend of the show past and future guest rachel if you remember we talked about allowing our fans to get to grab their own moniker much like beyonce's would they are they the beehive uh yeah i believe so the beehive Rachel has a uh, an idea. <gasps> Please. Yes. Uh, she says we should be called your mules. Play on the <laughs> names Samuel and Manuel. <laughs> oh, that is just as ridiculous as I had hoped. Yes. 
So Rachel, we will 100% take that into consideration. If <laughs> that is a, that is a not, let's put that in the maybe pile, shall we? Yeah. If anybody else likes mules as our fan, <laughs> as our fan name, please let us know. And if you have any other ideas, we would love to hear them because when she sent me that, I laughed my ass off. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Um, she did have some thoughts on. Uh, one of our episodes, but she was, I didn't quite get an answer if I was allowed to share them. So I'll double check with her and I will get back to you on that. We can, uh, we can do that next week, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll ask her. I, I just didn't want to put it on air without her permission. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam, what do we got going on next week? Yeah. Speaking of next week, uh, next week is episode 78, uh, Pacific Rim 2 Uprising. No, I'm kidding. It's, what? Uh, it's, <laughs> it is, uh, s- since I made Manny endure Pacific Rim, I am going to watch one of his guilty pleasures next week. It's Roadhouse. <laughs> I And I apologize. In advance. Uh, it is not a good movie. Oh, I'm trying to... What the hell? I'm still looking forward to it, though. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Hold on. Decent. Why can't I find it on here? Interesting. What are you trying to look up? Just year or what? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. It's an action thriller. Is it? Is it an action thriller? <laughs> I can't. So, wait, hold hold on. I actually, uh, I do want to check something real quick before we uh, depart from this here. I'm pulling up Roadhouse uh, 1989 on IMDb. Uh, oh, it's a 36 Metascore. Why would That's you have to reveal that this week? You just scared uh, them away one from will, listening. One will notice that is about half the Metascore of Pacific Rim. That's not <laughs> to say that is for sure a measure of the quality. It's just an observation that I'm making. Uh, don't need to read into it too much. Oh, my friend. Oh, my friend. Oh, my friend. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, I think that's everything. I think we're good to go. Uh, please. I think, I think you're just about ready to get rid of me. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Today we're canceling the apocalypse. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.